Tucky Moore is one of the most successful coaches of coaches going around. So this dude is like a really, really high level marketer, very, very smart and savvy businessman. And the reason I wanted to get him on is because I've seen enjoy, enjoyed Tucky's content for many, many years now. And he's really, really smart. And I wanted to get to know how he thinks, the way that he does things, his background, his story, and it's really, really cool. So I think that anybody who wants to get into the coaching game, anybody who wants to get into business or understand more about marketing and how a very, very high level marketer thinks will get a lot of benefit out of this podcast because I found it really, really enjoyable. And we're good to go? Yeah. No trouble at all. (laughs) (laughs) But but man, so as I was saying before, the reason why I wanted to get you on this and have a chat with you is because in my opinion, from what I've seen, having been in the coaching realm for a little while, you've built probably the coolest community of people. Like in Black Belt and Boardroom, you just got like a load of dope people. Yeah, totally. And like, I just wanted to get into like your, the way that you think, the way that you do things and how you manage to, to make this. So like, Really, where I'd love to start is you in the beginning. Let's go back to, to faxing clients. Yeah, like, where where did Tucky Moore start out in, yeah. in marketing and in coaching? Yeah, so from really quite young, well, compared to 45, quite young, fascinated by coaching, like super in, into the whole thing. I remember like answering franchisee ads and then finding out, you know, as an 18-year-old that you needed 85 grand to get started and I didn't have it. But like just fascinated. And then moved to Sydney, got a job, be a public speaking, and then found a had an idea for a business, talked to a couple of business coaches. One of them was like, I won't coach you, but if you come work with me, you can apprentice on the job and I'll teach you as we go. And I'm like, that sounds amazing. What an opportunity. Yeah. It was great. So like I was done a marketing degree, studied a bunch of direct response stuff. The marketing degree was useless. The direct response stuff was super awesome. Dude, I haven't had one person on here who said, yeah, my degree was great. <laughs> no, there was one class that was super great and it was by the only person in the whole university who actually done stuff. Yeah. Services marketing. That was fascinating to me. Like, how do you how do you choreograph or engineer a client experience? It was kind of fun. But everything else was like theory and management material for some corporate and it wasn't that useful. Anyway, so I get this job with this guy. We do the job interview. He gives me his business card and it says like it was Action Coach, world's number one business coaching team. It says I'm like that sounds impressive. So I go to it, I go to the meeting and it's at his apartment in Balmain. It's like I didn't realize it was a franchise. I thought it was like you know corner office going to be epic. It's, it's not. So I sit down at his table. Like we do the interview and he gives me a copy of. He says I want you to read this book before you say yes or no. I'm like all right. So it's Doctor Zeus. Oh, the places you'll go. Which I don't know if you've read, but it's like it's a kid's book. I'm like no. I'm like all right. Any any business coach who can with a straight face give a grown-up a kid's book is all right with me. So, I mean, it turns out it was a great, a great little book. Uh, it's about kind of life and its journeys. So, I, I get this, this gig and I'm the marketing manager for this, this dude. And he's like, just cashed out a corporate. He's got, he's got one client who's a pain in the ass and he wants to get some more. And uh, so, I'm like, all right, well, how does it work? And it's a franchise, so they've got systems for everything. But he says, I'd lo- he goes, I'd love to run a workshop in like two or three weeks' time I found the room at the Balmain Tigers Leagues Club. It can fit 16, 20 people. Can you fill it? I'm like, all right, and I'll just do the system. And the system turns out it's like, here's your phone and here's a phone book. Call the dudes. It was, uh, it was shit. It was, shit. It was really shit. Anyway, so I call these guys. Eventually, we get 16 businesses booked in, 22 or three or whatever it was, people. And uh, it's Tuesday night is the gig. Friday night, he's like freaking out. What if they don't come? Call them up to confirm. I'm like, 
oh, I need some kind of excuse. Check their dietary requirements. He goes, I'm like, we're not even catering. He goes, doesn't matter, call them anyway. I'm like, this is the funniest shit. Anyway, so call these guys, just making sure you, you know where to come and you got the dietary. Long story really short, we get to the get to the night. It's a 6.30 registration for a 7 o'clock start. And it's like 6.30, he's pacing inside because it's his first ever gig. Nobody's there. 6.45, nobody's there. 6.50, nobody's there. He's like sweating. And like where like he's like yelling at me and stressed. 6.58, two people show up. One of them is my best mate who came along for moral support. And there's one prospect in the room. And he's like in this awkward spot where he set the room up to like present from the front of the room. But there's two. So he does he sit down, does he stand up? He's doing all the things. One of them becomes a client, which leads to hundreds of thousands of dollar business because it, you know, referrals and yeah. you know, Italian business owners. Anyway, so that's, I'm sitting there the next day and going, dude, the systems they give us are really like old school. How do I, like, if I call them, they reject me. How do I get them to call me? And so I just got obsessed with that. That's kind of the, that's where it started. I left there to go do my own thing after like three or four years. Amazing culture. Like I freaking loved it. Every day was like being in a seminar called on your bullshit. And like, it was like a personal growth seminar every day. It was amazing. How so? They just had these points of culture, like 14 kind of rules and some really simple, like six or seven, like simple frameworks, like the one that, that came up like every freaking day was above or below the line. You know, you're taking ownership, accountability, responsibility above the line, mm. or you blame, excuse, denial below the line. And you just like, everyone had full permission to call each other on any of these like six or seven core frameworks every day. And you just grew. It was awesome. That is cool. Yeah. They, like, I don't know if everyone in the franchise lived it, but we busted our ass to live by it. And it was amazing. Kind of cool. Yeah. So I left it to go do my own thing, something completely different with kids in schools. That was my side passion. And then one day I get this call. By the way, I'm conscious that I'm being the dude on the podcast who tells long, boring stories. So go tell. That's why I got you on here. I get this call two weeks before Christmas from a guy who had the office downstairs. Mm. He was in, like, I'd been out of action coach for a year or so. Mm. This dude's like, man, I'm, I, I need help. I've got, he just got a call from head office. Hadn't paid his franchise fees. He'd heard about me through some network. Brad Sugar's called him personally. That never happens. He owes 30 grand. He's got to pay it off in 30 days or he's out. And he signed a non-compete. Coaching is all he wants to do. He's got five kids. He's freaked out. I'm like, all right, man. Well, I don't know what to do. Why don't you come over tonight and we'll figure out a plan? So he comes over to my place. And I'm like, all right, well, what's your... Like, if I'm not in the picture, what do you do? This is like pre-internet and all the stuff. He's like, well, I want to put on a two-day workshop, $1,000 a head, 50 people, 50 grand, pay them 30, keep 20 for me and my family. We're okay. I'm like, all right. Well, so put... 50 people into a room at $1,000 a head, you've got to have a good, you know, goodish list. Mm. How many people in the database? He goes, well, I haven't really kept one, maybe 13, seven clients, some past clients, not all of the past clients still like me. I'm like, oh my God, this is looking awesome. Yeah, and it's two weeks before Christmas, like no one's going to come. Mm. So no list, no leads, no time, no money. It's just hard. Anyway, so the, uh, every month Action Coach publishes like an email to all of the franchisees with like, the rankings, like it's, you don't know how much money they make, but the guy that tells making the most, the guy that bottom is making the least, and he's number two on the bottom. Yeah. It's not good. I'm like trying to MacGyver this shit, going, what have you got? And he's like got one restaurant he worked with that had done really, really well. And so we go, let's go restaurants, Mossman, nice area, kind of a bit premium. Wrote this direct mail piece. We sent it to these 10 restaurants. And we, you know how like on an email you CC people? So we, like the top of the thing, it was like two, name, you know, you know, James's Italian, CC'd and all the other restaurants in the strip. It's like, you notice I've sent this letter to nine of your competitors as well. What I've got to say is really important. I can only work with one of you first in best dressed. And we just told the story of the cafe he just helped. And I can only work with one, so call me. So what happened, we found out later on, was they'd take the letter, read it, go to the next door and go, do you get this? Yeah, I got this too. I'm not going to call them, are you? No. 
and they all called. And so this dude like sent 10 letters, cost him 10 bucks, booked you know, a couple of calls, signed a client, and then we just did the same in another cafe district, another cafe district, and he's like, so we did that. And then this referral campaign, we got him like, I can't remember the numbers, like 30 or 50 booked calls for like five bucks in referral work. And he got out of trouble. He went from bottom of the list to number two in the country in 87 days. Mm. Told everyone you know about this guy, Taki, and that turned into this business sort of by accident. That's a really, really long ass. I should have just said, yeah, I really like coaching. Back to you. That's actually how I heard about you from the, the, that direct marketing campaign. Yeah, right. That was the first thing. Someone, one of my mentors said, I was talking about marketing back then. Mm. So when I first started out in fitness, like I was doing pretty well. I was like yeah. 20, I was like making 500K. I was like, I'm balling. Like this is so yeah, much money, so much. And then I was like, okay, but I can't get to the next thing. Like how do I get to a million? And then yeah. I was talking about marketing and one of my mentors actually put me on to you through that Dave Hunt. I don't know if you know him. Yeah. He's in gym. You know Dave? Know yeah, yeah. Amazing. Really, really great yeah. guy. So I coached Dave for ages and then he ended up mentoring me, which is really, really cool. Yeah. It's a small world. Yeah, it's a small world. There's a big circle yeah, during yeah. this fitness and, and coaching industry. So you went from that and then you, you got into coaching. Right? Yeah. So basically I went from, I helped this guy out. He told all the dudes he knew. And next thing you know, we were kind of, co- I was coaching a bunch of dudes. At the time I was coaching a bunch of business coaches. And then me and my best mate, Mike, were coaching, like doing basically marketing consulting for a bunch of other dudes. Mm-hmm. Like a, we had a Mercedes-Benz dealership, a Winnebago place, a GM and da-da-da. Yeah. Partnership was great fun. We did awesome work. There was enough money for one of us with our five kids, but not both of us with 10 kids combined. And so at the end of the year, we just were like, hey, man, this is great, but why don't we part ways? He works for us now, so we're best buds. I took the coaches. He took the not coaches. It was all one-on-one. And then I'd heard about this group stuff, like this like leverage model through a mate who was a student of Dan Kennedy's. And I'd been thinking about it for a while. And then uh, one day I'm sitting at the New Orleans Cafe in Crow's Nest, just met with this client. And then I had a prospect come and sit, sit down with me. His name was Matt. He wanted to work with me. I think it was $1,085 a month because it sounded like a specific number that we'd really put some thought into, but we just pulled the number out of our ass. And have you ever sat down with a prospect and you just go, oh, this person's going to be super hard work? Yeah. So here's my first experience of that. There's this quote, some people are walking around umbilical cord in hand, like desperately looking for a new place to plug it in. Yeah. And I just got like this run. He's like, oh, I'd love to work with you. And I'm like, no. And I said, well, I've been, you know, I'm maxed out with one-on-ones right now. And we charge this much. I'm thinking about launching this thing for $197 a month. Old school model, physical newsletter, monthly conference call, CD in the mail, and a weekly fax. Yeah. Anyway, he loved the idea because it was 200 bucks, not whatever. And I loved it because it was, I didn't have to talk to this guy in person. So like I, I said, hey, it's going to start in about six weeks. I'll call you to confirm that you still want it before we go, but credit card details now. And I'm like, this is awesome. I'm away. And then I realized, crap, I've got to write a freaking newsletter for some dude I don't really like. I better rustle up some more dudes. And so then first webinar came a couple of weeks later. This was in a crazy time life where I was like, broke as a joke, like Really, 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 really hurting at the time. I was going. I was working a job and doing this. Like, just launched this thing on the side. There's like two or three things going on. Come home one day. I had to borrow two hundred bucks from my best mate. Oh, everyone's my best mate. Even though I've mentioned three best mates already. It's been ten minutes. From one of my best mates, Sam, to go to Woolies and get groceries. And I come home one day, and, and Kieran Marie's there, and she meets me at the door, and she goes, "I've got some news." I'm like, "I love news." She goes, "You might want to sit down." And my brain goes, "Oh, I hate sit down news." Sit down and anyway, she goes, I'm pregnant. I'm like, oh, babe, that's amazing. We hug. <laughs> and then she walks out. I'm like, oh, fuck. 
because I just like, we were going to die, man. Yeah. And I was like super stressed. And I was like, if we can't get to eight grand a month by baby, I'm going to die. Mm. So fast forward two weeks, do first webinar and 97 clients in an hour. And I was like, I just made more money in an hour than I'd made in a year and started bullying my eyes out. And I was like, this is a thing. And anyway, from there, we were kind of away. So I just want to backpedal a little bit. You said one thing which is really cool and, and I say all the time is you didn't have a product to sell when no. this guy came to you like, I don't want to work with you one-on-one. But I, and well, you, he wanted to, but I didn't want to work with Yeah, him. you didn't want to work with him yeah. one-on-one, right? Yeah. And so, and you just pulled it out of your ass. But there's something which is really cool about that as well with, with the innovation, with the ingenuity, but also the ability to back yourself within that risk, yeah. right? And just say, fuck it and do it. Where did you get that from? I've got a pretty high risk tolerance. or kind of always have. I like, I think on my gravestone, it's going to say, you know, Taki Moore by the seat of his pants. When I die, but I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew stuff because I was helping these guys one on one and it was really working. And I, the one thing I didn't know that I could do was do the the writing like newsletter thing. Turns out that that was a massive mistake. Write business model for Dan Kennedy, horrible for me. I hate writing. He's an introvert, doesn't want to talk to people. I only want to talk to people. I don't want to write a word. Yeah. But I knew that I knew stuff, and I knew that if they did the stuff, it would really help. Yeah, I don't know, man. It just kind of felt like the obvious next thing to do. I, it wasn't, wasn't strategic. Like I've been thinking about it for a while and just never pulled the trigger. And this just felt like the moment to pull the trigger. But was there someone who backed you like in order to take risks and say, and go out and do it? Because you look in business, right? The people who are most successful, literally always the ones who just say, fuck it and fly by the seat of their pants. Yeah. Right. And they yeah. do it. So like, what encouraged you to do that? Like, where did you get that trait from? Probably mum. How so? I, don't know, I was listening to something yesterday. I was listening to Tim Ferriss' interview, Ricardo Semler. I don't know if you've ever read a book called Maverick or The Seven Day Weekend. Amazing dude. Like just a mind-blowing dude. Uh, it must be a Brazilian quote, but he said, anyone, I'm badly paraphrasing, but anyone whose mother believes in them can do anything. Hmm. I just got this crazy mum. She's like, when I went to uni, I remember doing this, the summer assignment, and I, it's like a business case study, and my dad was a consultant, and so he'd like literally just dealt with a thing just like that. And so when they said, like, here's the thing, what do you do? And I just said, well, here's what I would do. Cause and I got a, a report back that I'd failed the thing because I didn't have like book references. Yeah. And I was like, oh, thanks for the feedback, but you're wrong. Can I talk to your boss? Talk to their boss. And they're like, yeah, but it's still a fail. And I was like, oh, thanks for, but, but can I talk to your boss? After three bosses, I was like, oh, okay, maybe it's me. But it never even occurred to me that I could be wrong. Yeah, it's probably just misguided self-confidence but like i just like if you do it you learn and if you don't do it you never know i think that like oftentimes we try to get things like 98 and three quarters percent like perfect in our head instead of like doing it and getting some actual feedback so i had no idea what it would turn into but i knew i could help this dude Mm. and if i could help this dude i could help other dudes just like him if i could find them yeah yeah so what type of personality or what type of person is most successful when they go through your court like you've got how many people do you coach now by the way in black bottom boardroom 500 or so in our client's program, 1,000 or something like that. It's massive. It's It's big. Yeah, it's great. So you've got an awesome sample size. So like out of those guys, yeah, who does best? Yeah, so we're really clear about who we let in and who we don't. So I'll talk about Black Belt and then Boardroom. They've both got an entry criteria, which is a little bit like, you know, when you go to Disneyland, you've got to be like this tall to ride the ride. Mm. I know lots of people who are like, you know, if you can afford it, you're in. And we would sell it. A shit ton more if we did that, but we wouldn't be as the community that you mentioned at the start wouldn't be as good and the results wouldn't be as good. Mm. So like last year we got like 51, 52 people to a million bucks a year, which is awesome. And it's it's partly because we're great and partly because of client selection. 
So who does great is business coach in a niche, doing six figures already, helping, I found it really hard personally to help like someone go from zero to something, but from something to something really good, I'm great at. So they're the, like, yeah, niche business coach who's already sold some stuff is easy to help. There are a few niches that seem to do really, really well. So anyone who coaches in fitness or trades or like allied health mm. seems to do amazingly well. Why do you feel that is? I don't know. But I just like I've never had a single client in those spaces not do well. I don't know what it is. It's just... Is there a certain personality type in any of these people that you've seen? Probably. This is going to sound awful, but the, the people who do best often aren't the smartest. Mm. And smart clients, if, you, if clients are watching this, yeah, I love you. But like, I think sometimes the, the smart people overthink stuff. Yeah. And the ones who just go, okay, send, holy, holy shit, it worked. You know, my first amazing, like ridiculous client result was a dude who just like took it on, joined on Tuesday, ran his first webinar on Thursday, made 336 grand in cash, paid off his mortgage. That's impressive. Dude, I was as surprised as he was. <laughs> it was amazing. But he didn't think. He just did. And so sometimes, I think one of the traps with being like a thought leader or a smart dude is sometimes we're too clever for our own good and we get in our own way. Totally. So anyone who's willing to have a go, uh, I'm not like, if you think about like disc profile a little bit, you know, DI, you know, a little bit of people skills and a little bit of get up and go is always going to help. Yeah. Overthinkers, not as... It's just harder. I mean, it's, but it might not even be that it's harder. It's just that they don't vibe with my style as much because I'm a, I'm a Crayola guy, not a checklist guy. Well, it's interesting you say that because I ask that question to, to most people, like who do you know is being most successful? Why do you feel you are? And every single time it's come back to risk, your ability to take risk, go out, get shit done, mm. and just have a crack. And it, one of the things that's been really helpful for us is we treat our business internally like a lab. Mm. We're super happy to have an experiment. Yeah. Like every six weeks, we run a new set of projects. Yeah. And we've got, here's what we think is going to work, but we don't know. Yeah. So here's the problem we're trying to solve. Here's what difference it'll make. Here's what it looks like when it's done well. Here's what we're going to do about it. Here's our, at the end of six weeks, these are the metrics and we'll make a call. But we're happy to have a go at any time. And like, honestly, if we weren't allowed to experiment, I think boy, business would be really dull. And I probably could, it'd be so boring. So we kind of, like in the marketing department anyway, think about like, we've got the machine and then we've got the lab. The lab's way more fun. Yeah. And you know, if we're kind of testing out five or six things, in any given month, three of them are going to die, two of them are going to be good, one's going to be amazing. That's the one that will move into the machine yeah. and then teach the clients. What is it that you love about marketing so much? I love that it's half maths, which I suck at, and half art, which I'm pretty intuitive at. Mm. And I love the instant feedback cycle. We've got a rule like uh, the problem with the lab sometimes is you invent stuff that fucks up the rest of the business, yeah. like bottlenecks them. And so about a year and a half ago, Vanessa, our, our head of sales, said, Hey, Taki, I've got an idea. Let's make a rule that in the, in the marketing team, you can do anything you want so long as it doesn't change the way we sell, deliver, or operations. Mm. I'm like, great. I just need some boundaries. My brain doesn't care. Just So now I can create offers and campaigns and funnels and, and we're just like, it's just like a machine. Mm. It's fun. So I just love the experimentation side. And I love the, like, even if you're organic and you're not running ads, I just love the, the quick feedback loops. It's like a video game. You can, like, you can win it or you can lose it and you died and you respawn. I love that. Yeah. It's crazy how quickly you see Facebook response. Yeah. Even like on an organic post, you go, holy crap, that's amazing. That one died. This one crushed. Let's turn that into an ad. Away we go. It's super fun. Yeah. And then I kind of like, I love having a machine and I like designing the machine. I don't like, I don't like being in the machine. 
But I love creating a thing and then going, here's what I want it to look like and then giving it to people to turn into a thing. That's, yeah, that's my favorite thing in the world is like the, the creative, the kind of the, the art of it. Mm. My dad was an architect and I used to go, I used to live in, in Melbourne. He was in Sydney, designed like the Powerhouse Museum and Westmead Hospital where Ethan, my son, spent a bunch of time. And so I used to go with him and he'd show me like plans on paper and he had like a, a drafting table at his at his office and he used to go and like see his sketches and then and then three months later I'd come back and he'd show me a big hole in the ground and then there'd be a foundation and there'd be a building and then we'd walk through this place. I just love that. So I think of me like a little bit like a it's a dumb word, like a market a architect, maybe. Yeah. I just love that like I can sketch, go, here's what I want, and and then it turns into a thing. I love it when it turns into a thing. Yeah. That's super cool. Yeah. And, and then you mentioned you, you got kids. Well, you got five kids. Right? Six. Six. Yeah. You got six kids. Yeah. Right? So you're a little bit busy. Yeah. How, how do you manage business? How do you balance business? Because you guys are doing well. You catch thousands of people. Yeah. Like it's crashing. It's going quick. Yeah. How do you balance that with family? Well, so I've got six kids, but it feels like three and three. Like I've got three dudes in their late twenties and one who's thirty. Right. And then I've got three who are still at home. So it feels like three. And the three that I baked earlier a little bit. Yeah. And the three who, who are older had a really different upbringing, upbringing to the three now just because our lives are totally different. How so? Oh, dude, we lived in Western Sydney eating two-minute noodles and fast food and, and now we've got options and we spent like we every year we pick like a theme for the year and uh, it's usually the answer to like what's missing right now. And so I remember years ago just being like, we had a good business here, but it was super boring. Like it just life felt really beige. I was like, adventure. We need more adventures. That's the word. Mm. And so we traveled like two or three times. We went to Morocco and rode on camels and we just like explored. So like, this is amazing. I'm like, what was that like? Well, that was the trigger to the best three and a half years of my life. Because I came back and I'm sitting in Monaval at my local taco shop going, this is amazing. I don't think, how could we ever possibly beat this? And my brain just said, oh, what if you never came back? I was like, oh, that would be fun. So I grabbed a napkin and I sketched out this little plane with like Sydney in the middle, like a plane propeller. propeller. And three times a year, we had to be in, in Australia for an event. Mm. But that left like three months a year, three times where we could be anywhere in the world. I was like, well, what if we did like a loop in North America somewhere and then a loop in Asia and a loop in Europe? Mm. And I came home to my wife with this like crazy napkin. I'm like, I reckon we should do this. And we did it. And so we had like three and a half years, almost like a country every month for 40 months. It was the best. How did you manage business while doing that? To be fair, business has done better since we've been back. I mean, we had three and a half amazing business here. It was great. But I think what I loved about it is it allows you to switch on and switch off better. The thing I found really hard about this corona time is being like being at home. Firstly, I'm bored in one place, but being at home and then my work, my home office and my home is like really hard to be on or off. It was always, you know, like remember as a kid you hate, you had um, Neapolitan ice cream. Yeah. Chocolate, strawberry, vanilla. It's awesome. When you leave out in the sun, it like goes with that brown pinky sludge. That's gross. I felt like the last year has been a bit that. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the best way I've heard anyone ever describe. Yeah. So I like it when it's like, I'm on, I'm off. But then like, bleh, that's not fun. Yeah. So like part of the, like the last 15 weeks since we got out of Sydney and we're up here has been amazing because there's been fun things to do and explore. So I'm like, I'm going to smash up my work. Like I've got my week pretty nice. Mm. Don't work Mondays, pretty much got four half days a week. Start at 8, finish about 12.30. Mm. Um, when we're in Sydney, PT comes over 12.30, do workout, go get lunch, hang out with the kids. It's a really, it's awesome. Yeah. But when we were traveling, it was double fun. The hours were like, time zones were hard if we're in like Europe and stuff. I'm doing a webinar at 2 a.m. That was hard. Yeah. But I, f I figured like, I'm the one who's decided to travel around the world. 
I can suck it up for two hours and that way I don't have to fuck up the lives of the hundreds of people who've like committed to a schedule. Dude, I would, if I could teleport back there, I would do it in a nanosecond. Why? I just think life is about, uh, is about exploring and expressing. Like I th- at the time I felt like the world was really divided, you know, like, you know, in America there was like blacks and whites and reds and blues and masks and no masks and like all of the us's and the thems. And I was like, you know, if we could travel the world and meet the thems, my kids would learn that they're the same as us. Mm. And we did. And I just like feel really alive when I'm going to a new place for the first time and I've got to figure all the shit out. Like, like I love when I go to a country and I know just enough language to get myself into trouble but not quite enough to get myself back out. Mm. I feel alive. How do we balance work and life? I just compress to like, what do I actually need to do? Mm. Tim Ferriss, for our work week, has got this little piece which goes, you know, you run this business, you get a call from the doctor and he says, hey, I've got some really bad news. You know, it's serious. You can only work two days a week. What do you do? And so you make the list. And, he, and then you get another call from the doctor and he says, it's worse than we thought. You, you've got to run your whole life in two hours a week. That's a really good thought experiment. And I was like, if that was me, it's like deliver content. Imagine the, there's only three jobs. You'd like create and teach content, shoot marketing videos, talk to my team once a week. That's kind of awesome. So that's kind of what we did. And so now my world has been kind of engineered more or less to those three things. Which are the three things which I can I geek out on the most? That's a really cool thought experiment. I'm, I'm going to do that. Yeah. How much useless shit do we spend our time doing? So much useless yeah. shit. When I, I think when I first met you, I was punching like 70 plus hours a week. I was getting up around four and then I was going to bed late as well and just grinding, grinding, grinding. Yeah. You know what's interesting? We didn't make more money. <laughs> we just worked harder. I ended up doing more stupid shit that I didn't need to do. Yeah. It's mental. My. The last boss I ever had, the guy who like fired me and released me into my future, thank yeah. you, I lives here in Noosa in Prigin, just down the, like, just down the road. I'm going to see him after this. And when, it, when we first started working together, I was like marketing manager for this company. We used to help restaurants market themselves. So we meet at the, at the Manly Beach at the, you know, the left flag and, um, and we do these elaborate you know, like brainstorms on, well, we could do this, we could do this. And we're like, we'd, so we just like be this, yeah, and yes, and yes, and we could do, and, 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 and then we just look at each other. We'd both take a breath sit on it for a second and then just he'd look at me and go, nah, that stinks of effort. Mm. And I think sometimes we just do stuff that stinks of effort. And there's almost always like, yeah, you know, it's, it's trite, but it's true, like an 80-20 on all this stuff. Yeah. And if you pair it back, like if you had two hours a week, you could totally make it happen. Two days a week, you could smash it. Mm. So what the fuck are we doing for the rest of our time? We're just like being busy for no reason. Did you ever have a period where you were busy for no reason? reason? Yeah, of course. Totally I did. Well, I've had like two... Two experiences which have got me really good at compressing stuff to the essential. One was Ethan, he's 21 now in a really good space, but he, uh, he's got cerebral palsy and autism and epilepsy, a bunch of hard stuff. And there's been a couple of times where we've been at the hospital and he's stopped breathing. Every time we go to the hospital for, like, for nothing, he stays for a long time. So he went to go to the dentist. They pulled out 13 teeth and we stayed 10 weeks. It was like, it's just, anyway, bad stuff happens. So that's when I, like, I've got to be able to make this business Originally, it was like, how do we build this business? Like the one-on-one stuff was one-on-one stuff was okay, but I wanted to build it so that by necessity, we had to like I had to be able to run it from bedside at the hospital. Yeah, and so that was a big part of this flip from one-on-one to group stuff. And then now that he's in a great space, we're like, well, let's take the freedom that we've kind of established and use it for adventures. Hmm. That would have been super stressful. Fuck yeah, yeah it was really hard. But how did you manage that? Uh, I kind of had to, to be honest, because I had kids and mouths to feed it was like the i didn't think i could and then i did because i didn't have a choice 
Mm. It was like I learned Portuguese because I was living in a slum suburb of a small town in a regional area in the far northeast of Brazil where no one spoke English. So, of course, you're going to learn Portuguese. Can you tell me a bit more about that story? Yeah. After high school, last year of high school, I met a, I met a Brazilian girl, fell in love. Her visa ran out. She had to go back to Brazil after, you know, like eight months or a year. She stayed in the granny flat at the back of our place. And then so straight after high school, I got a job as a lifeguard, you know, at the local pool. Worked through summer until I had enough money to go and live in Brazil for a year, which was, I remember the day I left, my dad's, my dad's like really good with, he's like the responsible one. My mum's a bit more on the fun side. I'm more like a, my dad sits me down with like, came up because I flew out of Sydney and I saw him on the way out. And he's like, so how much money have you got? And I was like, I was so proud. I had $1,531 <laughs> for a year in a foreign country. What an idiot. And he goes, how long are you going for? I'm like, a year. And he grabs his calculator and he's, he worked out a couple of minutes. It was like $3.51 a day I had or something. He's like, this is never going to work. I'm like, I'll show you. So I go and I come back a year later and I reach into my bag. He picks me up at the airport. I get home and I'm like, look, dad, could have stayed an extra day and a half. And <laughs> just stupid. Anyway, uh, chase this girl to Brazil. You know, when you're young, we were like apart for seven months while, I, like, after her visa had ran out and my school finished and I got the job and left the summer season or whatever. And we were different people and it didn't work out at all. So I'm like living in Brazil, depressed as fuck. It's like, you know, first big relationship dumped me in the middle of a foreign country. It was hard. Yeah. And I found these, my cousin had married a Brazilian girl. That's what, how, you know, that was the connection. They worked at the same airline. And uh, so I called them. And, oh, they called me rather and they said, you know, we heard you're having a tough time. Do you want to stay with us? Translated. I'm like, yes, please. Got on a bus 27 hours north to this place. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of where I first, like, discovered myself a little bit, I think. What do you mean by that? Well, up until then, I had a really kind of sheltered, you know, an amazing life, but, you know, under the family roof. And, and this is my first kind of adventure into the world. And I kind of, these guys just love me, man. It was like, I just wanted to be so much, like, even now, I just want to be desperately like them. It's the most amazing family I've ever been with in my life. No money. The granddad... He's 105 this year. He's built about 30 schools in the town. Just an extraordinary human, like a super random dude. But it's like they had nothing and they had community and tribe and, and everybody in town knew these guys. And yeah, I just felt like, I think sometimes we, you know, in the West, we have like really nice houses and, and superficial relationships. And I just loved, you know, seeing what community looked like, really. Yeah, it's amazing to be part of a group of people. It's amazing. You, you can't beat that close to this game. You can't, man. It's like there's nothing like it. What do you do to create that now? Because it is difficult here. Like, I mean, you look where we are now in Noosa. It's fucking expensive. Everyone's loaded. But yeah, we just looked at a house today that's like six million, six or seven million bucks. And it's not a community house because it's on the other side of the freaking water. Like, you know where it is. Yeah, I'm not sure you go there to get away. <laughs> yeah, my wife's an introvert. I'm a people person. I think the house is perfect for her and I need to yeah. I need to come on this side a bit. The way I do that is with, well, outside of work, the way I do that is with friends. I'm, I'm lucky, like I'm sure like you, I've got a bunch of just extraordinary humans from around the world. And I, like part of travel for us is we love exploring new places, but we also love to catch up with our friends who we made around the world. So... Not a day goes by, by where I'm not talking to my friends. I'm not a some. I, I get the feeling that you're quite good at having a problem, figuring it out, and knowing what to do about it. That's from the outside. You look like a pretty together dude. No, I just go pay someone way smarter than me to tell me how to figure it okay, out. Okay, so that's yeah. that's that's also a great solution. The way I fix a lot of problems is I've got a lot of really smart friends, and so when I've got something big and challenging, I like tap into two or three smart people from around the world and go, "How would you tackle this?" and and then I'll, I, I like that, but this and this, and then I've got my plan. 
So socially, friends are really important. And then work-wise, I always wanted to build a, this is kind of weird. I, uh, I used to go to a church years ago. I haven't been in a long ass time. Mm. I used to go to a church and I, there's two things that I loved. One was I really loved the, the messages, like anyone who can like put together a great talk and deliver it well. I was like, okay, this is awesome. Mm. And then the second thing I loved was like really tight friendships. I didn't like the music. I didn't like, a lot of it didn't really vibe with me, but those two things I loved. And so when we built Black Belt, in a weird sort of a way, I kind of built the church I would have loved to have gone to. Yeah. Which is really like high level to eye level, like big picture principle down to I know exactly what to do right now and I can send the message. And then just a, a tribe, a community, a fam. Mm. The tricky part about, I think the hardest part about this last year for us has been how do you build community when you're on a screen? And we've tried a million things. And like, to be honest, I still don't feel like, like we've, tried, we've committed a year and a half ago. We're way better, but we're nowhere near where I'd love us to get. So, like in two weeks, I've got a roundtable for boardroom on community building. And I've got like four, this is the tacky strategy, my four smartest friends. Jason Gaynard runs Mastermind Talks, the best event I've ever been to in my life. 4,000 people apply for a spot. There's 150 places. And it's just incredibly incredible human. So, Jason, Jason Everett, one of our clients, coaches hair salons. Yeah. Through Corona, every one of them got shut down in the States. Over a year and a half, he didn't lose a single client, doubled his business. And he's just built this like this tribe. Sean Pinder does the same with bars. This dude, John Berghoff. Anyway, so I'm just like geeking out right now as the world kind of starts to reopen a bit. I'm still like having cracked the community online code and I'd love to, before the year's done, I want to get good at it. Hmm. Do you feel that we will be able to have a connection as good as what, like online, as what we do here now in the flesh? Yes, and this is a bit special. So we've just... When does this go live? It's a good question. We'll have to, is it days, is it weeks, or is it months? Oh, no, probably weeks. Okay. Probably. This might be a world, world exclusive. Uh, we just decided two days ago, like a, what I'd love to do, the goal is by 2025, a thousand black belts and boardroomers together on an island somewhere tropical. That's cool. Yeah. So we're going to do our first one next year, Hawaii, July. And because uh, we've always had like Aussie conferences, American conferences, and we're, I just love to get the tribe together. Can it be the same? It can be bloody good. The thing that's been hardest to replicate, like you can replicate the conversation and the, and, and the this bit. The thing that's harder to do is when you like run an event, we can go paddleboarding, we can have dinners and breakfasts and lunches and walks. And, mm. and there's all the stuff like that happens in the, in the corridor or the, the not event seminar, yeah. which is I found much, much harder to do. Yeah, we've tried some great stuff. Some of it's worked, some of it hasn't. Can I give you one Zoom tip? This helped me a ton. Please. You know when you're like, let's say you and I were doing this on Zoom, and you're looking at your laptop, and there's like, there's you and there's me. That's really unnatural. Like right now, I don't see me, I see you, and so it's really easy to be present for you. So on Zoom, when I log in, I click hide self view, and I just see you, and it just makes it like a million times better. You don't get Zoom fatigue. It just feels good. Try that out. That's super cool. Because I always get distracted by like yeah. what that looks like. I know it's dumb. You, your, your eyes, it straight away goes to it. Hundred percent. Yeah. So that I mean that's like that's tiny, but I think you can do it. We haven't cracked it. We're better than most by a long way, but it's nowhere near as good as I'd love it to be yet. Mm. So, what's your purpose? 
Like, with, and look, we've got a big picture now, right? Just, just a little question. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> but yeah, well, what's, what's your purpose? Like, what are you doing this for? Can I answer that? Can I give you like three vignettes? I'll be, I'll be quick. So I don't know what my purpose is, but I think at least for me, life is about my mum and my uncle Rolf, who was my hero growing up. He's an industrial designer. They've got this word that they use or this phrase that they use to describe people like us. And, and the word is a life artist. And I just love that idea. So uh, for me, I want to be a fully expressed life artist. That means like every, I squeeze every drop of juice out of every day and every relationship and every moment. And it's about expression as much as experience. I think like the, the creativity and the, the show me what you've done with this is just as important as how you feel at the time. So that's kind of, that's part one. Work-wise, it's pretty simple. If I had like a mantra, it's work on projects that excite me with people I love to help people we really care about. And like anything apart from that doesn't really matter. I don't have like a, a vision. I mean, a thousand black pots on an island sort of is a vision, but I don't really like helping business coaches do their magic is enough for me right now. And then the third thought really is like, I don't sculpt or paint or draw, but this is my art. And I just love the canvas that a business gives you to like create amazing things just because you can. So that's a, that's three half good answers instead of one good answer. Is that okay? Perfect answer. And so, so there's no goal, there's no destination Destination as such. It's more no. doing what you're doing because no, you love it. Shit, man, what am I going to do? Like, I don't wear shoes half the time. I like to buy shoes, but I don't like to wear them. I don't like, I can kind of do whatever I want. You know, I'd love to own a seaplane and learn how to fly that, but. That would be cool. Yeah, 100%. I'll jump in with you. We'll wait till I know what I'm doing, otherwise we'll both die. And it will be, it will be a risk. Got a risk for the biscuits now. I started to get my helicopter last. Yeah, there you go. That's what I really want to do. I've done skydiving, and I really want to do helicopter. I've only been in helicopter once. It was amazing. I reckon an old school, like 1950s. I think it's a De Havilland Beaver. It's like the the old seaplanes. It's like I think it's the 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 sexiest transportation on earth. I just like froth. Where would you go? Everywhere, they're like just, it doesn't even matter where I go. Just the takeoff and the landing is the it's the best. Yeah, I don't have a goal. I think. Um, do, do you know there's an author called Derek Sivers? Haven't heard. Hey, a book. It's my favorite business book. It's called Anything You Want by Derek Sivers, and it's just like a bunch of like simple chapters. He's got this chapter called You Don't Need a Vision, and it's like the first time I. It's like you're very goal driven, and you probably hate it. You might love it. I don't know. But I was like, every time I've done the goal thing, I was like, I, you're supposed to like write, you know, set a goal, write it down, feel inspired. And I just write it down. And I'm like, okay. But it feels like about as exciting as a shopping list or shoelaces. It's just like meaningless. Yeah. It's like you're writing a goal down for the sake. Because I'm supposed to write a goal down. Yeah. But the, like one of the things that's really helped me was actually this, yeah, this, this kind of helped. A couple of years ago, I made Alex Sharp and said like, what's the one number that if you hit it next year, you'd know you've done a good job which sounds like a goal. And I think you're supposed to write down like your, your money goal. And the thing that really helped me and actually really juiced me up was setting like a, an impact goal. Mm-hmm. And so the goal was if we could get 50 coaches to a million dollars a year, that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. I told the team, they're like, oh my God. So we worked our houses off all year to hit this goal. This is like, I don't know, three years ago. And uh, come to the November intensive, we've counted up everyone's like belt income numbers and we're at like 84 or something. And I was like, okay, well, we tried really hard. We're not going to climb. Anyway, they gradually start trickling in and it's, I think we finished work on the 17th of December. Mm-hmm. 
it's like this, it was the, the 15th and I got Ari Mizell goes, you know, I just want to say thanks. You know, we hit two mil. I'm like, amazing. Then Alex Schaffer messages me and we get to like four, 49 the night before. And I'm like, spent. It's like the, the, the end of the, the second last day of my work year. And I flogged my guts out to hit this number. It was like the only goal I've ever really, really cared about. And uh, so I went down the beach and I just remember it was like feeling like just like spent. Mm. I shot this video and the title was We Tried and I Failed. And I was like, you know, we set this goal and we worked out. Like I was really proud, but I was like, and in my mind, I was like, maybe, maybe it's better to hit 49 because you've got a story to tell. And anyway, so I was like, I was just like emotionally drained. And then the next morning I wake up and I'm, I'm sitting on the toilet, which is embarrassing and I'm on my phone which is worse the best time to read your phone yeah and I get this message from Sylvie McCracken this amazing coach in Portland coaches doctors and she's like hey I just want to let you let you know I just took the account and we just hit a million bucks and I just burst out in tears and I'm like fuck do you know what this means and she goes am I number 50 I'm like yes and I was just like I never felt more like I mean it was partly proud it was mostly relieved but I felt like that was a really meaningful year and I think the kind of the goals that juice me are the goals that are about other people. Mm. And because I, I know that if we can get 50 people to a million bucks a year, marketing is taken care of. Sales is easy. You know what I mean? Mm. It, it's like the number that moves everything. Yeah, I think, I, I don't know. It's funny though, when you actually start focusing, <laughs> it's going to sound so dumb. No, it's so true. When you start focusing on your people, on your on your product, the marketing and sales it goes well, easy. easy. I was like, because I used to suck at marketing. I wasn't good at sales. I didn't used to go on phone calls. I like refused to do sales calls because I didn't want to be that guy. And so we're doing. We we did sell by chat back in twenty. Yeah, back in the day, like one of the first people doing it. I remember when ManyChat first came out, it was like onto that like yeah. straight away. And it was amazing because we built the whole of JCF just on referrals. It's amazing. On referrals. That is so good. Yeah. I remember chatting with um, Alex Hormozzi and he had this ratio of, I think it was if the number of, was it, it was either the, the number of new clients you signed up to the number of referrals you got. Yeah. Or the number of clients you lost compared. It was like some simple ratio it's like your number of referrals needs to be greater than your number of clients you lose. Something like that. That's yeah. just that's just amazing. I think off, like in our in our space, there's a bunch of marketers, and there's not a there's not as there's not enough people who are obsessed about product and people as they are about the front end. I think it's in most spaces, man. Yeah, it probably is. It probably is. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, because good enough isn't. We coach. Uh, I coach uh, the two owners of a company called Nortec. They're a mining company. They're doing about. They'll, they'll you coach a mining company. What's that? You coach a mining company. Yeah. Sorry, that was really yeah. creepy business. Yeah. Creepy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited about mining. I I've never idea. heard anyone get so bummed. No, because like I've always thought of you as like the the fitness business guy. Which is probably just like super short-sighted on my behalf and I feel embarrassed now. No, I do. I do. So I mostly do performance coaching, like around oh, just cool. like helping do. So we did the fitness business thing and it was fun. It was kind of fun. It wasn't like we're revamping it. We're mm. going to do it differently to how I did it before. But the thing that I love and we're going to be working into the new fitness business coaching is working on their performance. So I help them think better. I help them sleep better, recover, stress, all that stuff. You've got the aura ring on, like, you know, this sort of stuff. It's a game changer, huh? It is. My scores still suck. Really? Yeah. We'll, chat about that. we'll fix that. We will. Easy. But yeah, like I chat with them. Most business owners' scores suck. You yeah. know what I mean? And it's like, and 
when I work with these guys, it's like they just see them going strength to strength. But yeah. but anyway, back to what I was talking about, mm-hmm. it's like with with these guys, what I learned from them is like they're they're, they're going to do like fifty mil. They've gone from literally doing fuck all to fifty mil in just a couple of years. They're constantly winning more and more contracts mm-hmm. over and over again. They're not marketers. They're not sales guys. Yeah. They're just they're fucking brilliant. Yeah, they're product guys. They have an awesome product, and the coolest thing is they look after their team like super well. Mm-hmm. I think they're the two things that are really understated. I mean, it's crazy. Branson talks about it. He says if you look after your employees, they'll look after your clients for you. Okay. You don't have to worry about it. Yeah. It's like the most underrated thing is making your product fucking awesome yes. and then making your team fucking awesome. Because if you do that, it'll just grow. It, it has to. Yeah. And I'm like, I've known about product for ages and I think I'm halfway through a get great at team transition. Yeah. Like I've always been able to lead my clients and, but managing people has felt like a different game. And then I was like, well, hang on. If you lead these guys, why don't you lead those guys like you lead these guys and it'll be great and it's way better. Totally. We actually coach, like everyone in our team gets coached by each other. Mm-hmm. So everyone is always, if we've got an ring, we're monitoring it. We go through, we do something called the summit. We map out your purpose, your mission, your values, everything mm-hmm. for every single person. And it's like our guys are getting that much better so much faster because we are training them like our most elite level clients. And then from that, the flow on effects are huge. Yeah, that's massive. I love it. It's fun. Yeah. It's so good. Dude, this has been fun. It has been. Thank you so much for coming on, man. Dude, I was, I was happy to do it. And then I realized you're in Noosa and I was just like, even better. Let's hang out. It's it's super, like I've loved, like first of all, I love t- talking to you because you're fucking awesome. But then like having the in-person too is really, really cool. It is fun. Like fun. Yeah, it really is. That's, um, I'm going to sound heaps woo-woo now. I am. But like the like the energy, like the connection, there's something different it about it. Hey, we, we run these things called Man Weekends down the Gold Coast where we actually get our guys together and we do a heap of cool shit. And it's like, that is like the coolest, funnest time yeah. where you get people in a room together. Yeah. There's magic that happens for sure. Oh, yeah. But man, before we go, yeah. where can, if we want to learn more about you and what you do, yeah. where can they find you? Uh, MillionDollarCoach.com. If you're a business coach, it's going to be really useful. If you're not, it's going to be a waste of your time. Skip it. If you, yeah, or TuckiesBook.com. Grab a copy of my book for free. You'll learn how to grow and scale a coaching business. See you. Is yes? Yeah. Thank you, sir. Appreciate your time, man. Pleasure. I hope you enjoyed the video. If you got something out of it and you want to learn more, click the link below or type in High Performance Conversations with James Can, and you'll be able to check out all the podcasts that we've done. We cover a stack of different topics, everything from getting your mojo back, overcoming anxiety, self-doubt, self-esteem, and learning from some of the industries and some of the world's top performers in both business and in health. Look forward to having you on there.